Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Philippians chapter 2. It reads, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may be rejoiced at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So here in chapter 2 of Philippians, we pick up with Paul continuing to talk about those detractors in the situation that they're in and how he is calling others to respond if they find themselves in a similar situation. So the big purpose here of this is to display the manner in which we actually begin to walk worthy of our calling. So rather than doing things, as verse 3 says, from selfish ambition or conceit, we're called to put on the example of Christ. And so the detractors that continue to proclaim the gospel and to speak ill of Paul's current circumstances as he's imprisoned are not doing that. They're actually acting in terms of their own selfish ambition, trying to make things up so that they are gaining something from that situation and trying to take advantage of what should be a partner in the gospel which we didn't really focus on a ton in chapter 1, but if you look back in that chapter, that's one of the central themes of how he's talking with the church at Philippi. He's calling them partners in the gospel, and so if they are to consider themselves continuing partners, they're to have this mindset that he has displayed here with the example of Christ's humility. 
And I think when we look at that, we start to really understand what it means to be used by God for the extension of his kingdom in the expansion of his gospel. Jesus sets aside so many of the comforts, so many of even the divine attributes that are his and his alone to be able to come down and to be a servant for all. And by doing that, he makes it so that all people can come to know him and can come to know the truth of the gospel. And so you have this emptying of self, which this passage is called the kenosis passage, based upon that word used for emptying himself here. As he empties himself of this, he puts on this mindset of being a servant, of being there for others. And so that is the call of the gospel, is to be a servant to all for the sake of the gospel. And I always think this is interesting. When we look down, probably one of the most well-known, well-quoted verses in Philippians chapter 2, or in all of the book of Philippians for that matter, we find in verse 14. It says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without the blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So that first part, do all things without grumbling or disputing, or your version might say, do all things without grumbling or complaining. This is that classic verse that we try to teach kids. So, hey, you shouldn't be grumbling or complaining. Use it as an opportunity to teach them that we get what we get and we don't throw a fit, different things like that. But let's expand back and talk a little bit about what's happening here. Do we think this verse is just for kids to learn so that they listen to their parents? No. When we look at it in the context of what's happening here, when we think about doing all things without grumbling or complaining, that's being a servant to all. That's what we've just come out of in terms of God calling us who have now been redeemed by his grace, who are now being regenerated through his spirit, are now given the opportunity to be servants for the cause of Christ. And that's something that is not going to be easy. That's something that's not going to be the position of fame or the position of prominence, the easy way to do things, because a servant is constantly focused on the needs of others. They're elevating those above their own. They're putting that person's life in front of their own pursuits so that they can be able to do what is necessary to serve and to fill and to provide for that other. So as we think about doing all things without grumbling or complaining today, I want us to think of that in terms of what Jesus did leaving the heavens, leaving God's side, and doing that without grumbling or complaining. And that gives us the example that we're called to follow, to walk worthy of the manner of our calling, so that we understand that when we imitate Christ by serving others and by doing that for the sake of the gospel, that we do that without grumbling or complaining, that we understand that God has given us the opportunity to put the gospel on display through our ability to serve others and to do that for the sake of him in all we do. And so hopefully that's something that we can ground our faith in, that we can anchor our faith in today, that as we do so, as we serve, as we are poured out, here he says, as a drink offering, or poured out as an opportunity to serve others, that we do that without grumbling or complaining, and we do that with the power that comes through the Holy Spirit that's given to us in the same way it was the Holy Spirit that allowed Jesus to endure many of the 
sufferings that he was taking on. As far as a question from this chapter, one of the big things that people want to know is, hey, what's the deal with Epaphroditus, and what was it that actually caused him to be in the situation that he is. So let's remember at this point in time that these people are traveling, most likely to Rome. It was a long journey and all through those things. So possibly by the time he gets to Rome, he's very ill to the point of possibly even death, as it says here. And so he was near to death because of whatever the situation was. We don't know exactly what that is. We don't know exactly what had taken place. But remember that as he's traveling, he's traveling probably most likely at his own expense. He's going to places that are not necessarily the most clean. He probably picked up some sort of virus or some sort of illness or sickness in some of those locations and yet continued to press on towards the end goal of getting to Rome, which would have been where he might have had the best opportunity to receive some sort of medical assistance. But during that journey of him trying to get to him, others had known what was happening or had heard about the sickness and had been greatly concerned for him. And so Paul desires to send him back to these other people so that they can see that he is in fact much better, that he is healed from that, and that he can give glory to God for the way in which that healing has taken place. And I think that that's important because when you look at that in light of what's happening, probably there were many prayers offered for his healing, but there are also probably many prayers offered for Paul to be taken out of prison and to be released for that. And so while one of those prayers is not being answered, one of them has been answered. And so it's something that they can celebrate that that was the will of God for him to recover from that sickness. Yet it has not yet been the will of God for Paul to have been released from prison. So he allows them to experience that. He allows them to celebrate that by sending Epaphroditus back to him. The nature of the sickness, exactly what it is, we don't know, but it's probably something that he picked up on the way to Rome or Paul's imprisonment where he's at. So by highlighting Epaphroditus here in this passage, Paul highlights an expression of the grace of God that has been given not only to him in prison, but also to these Philippians who are most likely praying for both of these individuals. So he feels blessed to send him back so that they can receive him and allow him to be celebrated in his return to these people. Certainly, there could be many other questions that come out of this passage, especially around this focus on the humanity and the nature of Christ that takes place in the opening part of this chapter and exactly what's taking place as he empties himself and as he leaves heaven. I would encourage you to look into those questions that you're having. If you're asking, hey, what were the attributes that he set aside? What did it look like? Look into that. Talk with others about that. Think about that. Reflect upon that. Because when you do so, you're growing in your understanding of Scripture. You're learning what God has revealed to you through his word, and you are sharpening those around you by edifying them with conversations that's pointing them to Christ. As you walk through that today, know you are loved. You're